guys, we are here recording from Fairfax for our third installment of our personal branding podcast series, and it's been great to hear from some of our listeners these past few months, and we hope this episode will resonate with some of the interview struggles that everyone faces. Today, we've assembled our own panel of colleagues to share some tips and tricks and even some embarrassing interview stories. I'm sure you'll recognize T. Clark from our last few podcasts, and we've also added Celine and Emily. Welcome, team. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Excited to talk about my most embarrassing interview stories, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) I'm excited to hear that, too. (laughs) Great to be here as well. So let's do a quick recap of our last two podcasts in this personal branding series, Getting Ahead and Getting the Interview. I'll tell you a few things that stood out uh, to some of you, our listeners, was making sure that we are concise and consistent in our personal branding and messaging, and the importance of using your network and asking friends to refer you for those open positions that you think is going to be your dream job. This is really the key to getting the job that you want. Yes. You know, I actually read not long ago in an article from Jobvite that employee referrals have the highest applicant-to-hire conversion rate, and, you know, only 7% actually apply via referral, but they account for 40% of all hires. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm actually one of those 7% and 40%. (laughs) I was a referral here at ICF, um, and I had a former internship supervisor actually submit my resume for an open position. Um, and it all worked out in the end. That's so great. I love those stories. Well, definitely. And then, as I think I've already said before, at ICF, employee referrals are always our number one source of hire. Definitely. So we love referrals as, as well. And you know, now that we've covered you know, that part of the job search process, let's move on to what happens next when you actually get the interview. You've translated your personal brand to your resume and to some of your outreach to recruiters and managers. So let's now translate this to the interview process. We're calling this podcast the path to getting hired. So sometimes your interview will be a panel interview with a bunch of people you don't know <laughs> and you've never met. Um, so with our panel here today, uh, we're definitely going to share some tips and tricks. And like Emily is getting ready to share with us some embarrassing stories. But our goal really is, is to help you feel comfortable the next time you're suiting up for your interview. Definitely. So speaking of panel interviews, you know, what does that actually look like and how can we be prepared? Um, I think heading into a room full of people that we don't know whether they're actually interviewing you or there to help you answer questions about culture or the team, um, you know, that can be really nerve wracking. Um, so what does that look like and how can we, you know, make sure that we're not too nervous? Yeah, that's that's a really good question because when you do head into a room full of people, if you weren't notified ahead of time, it really throws you off your game because you're expecting to have a one-on-one. And it's easier to read body language when you're in a one-on-one. But when you're in a group of people, you know, where do you look? What are you doing? And um, I think that here at ICF, we've really tried to prepare our candidates with, um, you know, who they're going to be meeting with, what it'll look like. I know, Celine, that you've done some of that before, making sure that interviews are set up and scheduled and, you know, communicated to the candidate. Absolutely. You know, back in the day, I used to schedule... Uh, one-on-one interviews and panel interviews and lunch interviews, they really ran the gamut. Um, But um, what's your favorite type of interview? 
Uh, I can do more of a least favorite. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that. Yeah. For Well, for favorite interviews, I am definitely more of a one-on-one -on -one person. Um, I feel like, you know, you can really get in the zone, get to know that person, especially if that's going to be the hiring manager. I think it's really important to get that one-on-one -on -one time and, you know, kind of build a rapport with that person. Um, least favorite type. Um, so I once interviewed for a position that was a panel interview. So it was it was four people at the table and two people who were observing and taking notes. Um, that was probably the most intimidating Did setup. Did you feel <laughs> like you were in like this zoo, like <laughs> a, a lab experiment with observers? A I wasn't <laughs> sure if I was supposed to be making eye contact with the people on the sideline or just the people at the table. So there were a lot of darting eyes going back and <laughs> forth um, that now in hindsight, you know, I probably would have said something initially, but this was you know, my first interview out of college. I wow. just didn't know what I didn't know. So. Yeah. Um, I probably would have handled it a little <laughs> bit differently at this point in my career. I think for my favorite, <clears throat> and I'm probably, I'd probably be outvoted, but I, I don't think people like to do the lunch interviews, but I like to do lunch interviews because I feel like you're both, yes, you're eating it and sometimes it can be hard to talk, <laughs> but you're, you're both trying to do the same thing and it's more casual, it's more conversational. Um, so I really prefer that. Um, I think my least favorite would be you know, with just a room full of people, like you said, and not knowing where to look, who to kind of talk to, do they have a schedule, plan of questions, that sort of thing. So I would have, I'd have to say that's my least favorite. I guess with lunch interviews too, you have something to do with your hands. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes. I'm definitely, I, I will, I will make a conscious effort to rest my hands on, you know, a table so that I'm not just fidgeting or playing with my hair. I know that those are, yeah. you know, some common, um, you know, nervous habits that and then we if might you, have. If you feel a little um, anxious and sweaty, you already have your napkin, you can just pull out your face. <laughs> <laughs> that leads into my first embarrassing interview story, actually. We should just head into that then. <laughs> um, so again, with this panel interview, um, there were three of us interviewing. Um, I will say we all ended up getting the positions that we were applying for, but you know, months and months later, we learned that the interview, the interviewers remembered one of us was sweaty, that was me, one of us was shaking, and one of us had turned bright red. So, oh um, you know, just kind of building on that, what are some of your tactics to calm yourself down? You know, I definitely learned that there are certain wardrobe choices that I have yes. to make um, before going to an interview or public speaking. Um, but what if you are someone who shakes or turns bright red or you know, loses your breath? Mm -hmm. I actually have a, a tip that was shared with me when I was 18 before um, going into very stressful situations. And um, it was a professional who recommended actually running cold water on your wrists really to calm you down and it actually works wow <laughs> yes. so it's an odd tip but huh. worth trying so as long as you're not running to the bathroom and saying excuse me for a second right. <laughs> you come back with dripping wet hands <laughs> right we don't want that but wow well. i swear yeah, so that's, that's one tip another one that i actually learned recently is um, all about meditation and breathing and if you slow your breathing down and take mm -hmm. a few deep breaths that will really help center you and calm you and you'll be ready to head into that interview. I like that because you definitely, if you can control that, you can sort of control the situation and you're able to relax, you know, get rid of that anxiety. Mm -hmm. So we talked about some embarrassing stories and thank you for, for being so brave to share those. <laughs> 
because I know some of our Sweating listeners right now. <laughs> <laughs> some of our listeners are going to really appreciate this this discussion because these are a lot of things people don't talk about out loud to other people. So that's what we wanted to do here was you know chat about some of these things that are difficult to bring up with others and you know so you can be better prepared. The other thing I wanted to to bring up is you know how do we stay focused on what we're trying to talk about or you know trying to sell ourselves to the the company and especially if you're in a panel interview you know trying to focus on um, the topic at hand and remember the questions and so I remember hearing about the STAR method and I'm not sure if you guys have heard of that but the STAR method stands for situation task action and result and STAR is really best um, for those behavioral types of questions when they say, you know, tell me about a time you did this, or tell me about a time that you had to, um, had you had some sort of result, an action and a result. And I think that if you're able to, in the interview, outline the situation, the task that you had to, um, that you were, you know, that was lying ahead of you, and then the action that you took, and then the result. Anyone else want to speak to that? Uh, yeah, I actually had a professor in college who recommended adding an extra S at the end, and that mm -hmm. just stood for shh. <laughs> so once you were done explaining your result and explaining each of the you know star pieces, um, to just shush. Yeah. Um, and you know not to over talk, not to you know get off track, but take a deep breath and there's your answer. Um, I so like I that. think that was something mm -hmm. that's always really helped mm -hmm. me in interviews. Um, you know, I could go on for days um, if no one stops me. So um, that was a really important piece of advice that I really like. Yeah, I do too. Thanks for sharing that. Another um, another thing we've talked about before in our, our one of our former podcasts in this series, um, you're going to be bringing your resume and maybe a portfolio. So maybe you could write some notes down, some tips just some like talking points that if you lose your train of thought, you can then glance down at your resume and it will prompt you of what you need to say mm -hmm. um, or to, to go, you know, where to go from there. And I think you can do that in advance too. You can come to your interview prepared with two to three stories that, you know, really showcase, you know, your abilities, your um, creativity, your teamwork, your collaborative uh, spirit. Um, and really things that you know that have produced great results. Um, and I would say you, you can probably use those stories whether they ask you something directly related to them or not. Um, I think you, know, you should know those couple of you know, brag points that you have um, you know, said, yeah, sure. said in, a, in, a, in a humble way, but, <laughs> um, but definitely knowing the stories that showcase your best experiences. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and then what do you guys think about researching and being prepared? before you go in. Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a pet peeve of mine sometimes where people, candidates will come in, but they don't know anything about the company. And um, it's not my my job to really teach you about it. We're here to t you know talk about your skills and background. Mm -hmm. So I think if you do some research ahead of time, that also helps you figure out, okay, what kind of questions do I want to ask? Mm -hmm. Candidates have a hard time with understanding what questions you know they should ask and trying to go from, from there and relating their experience, but making sure that they sound like they've done their research, they're interested. Right. And much like people, companies love talking about themselves. So there's plenty of information <laughs> out there about what the company does, special projects, awards, accolades, mm -hmm. 
that can help guide you for at least having three or four questions to your interviewer mm -hmm. um, at, at any given time <laughs> throughout the Absolutely. day. Absolutely. There's tons of information out there for sure. Just make sure you're not looking only at Wikipedia. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I think there are some general questions that you can ask your interviewer no matter who they are, whether they're someone who will be on your team or your hiring manager. Um, my favorite is always just, you know, what's the best part about your job? Um, because I like to hear from people who are actually working there. You know, I want to hear all positive things. Um, I had someone recently ask me about some pain points, um, and I thought that was another one that was just really smart to ask because mm -hmm. it is a two-way conversation. Um, you know, as an interviewer, you're not just grilling the person you're interviewing. Um, so I think you know having some of those more conversational questions in the in your back pocket would be really helpful as well. Definitely, I like that, and I I have always preferred to ask, you know, what are the challenges that you're facing, just from a consultant's perspective, because that lets you know sort of what you're going to be getting involved in and how you can come prepared, and also helps to come maybe lead some of your other questions, your follow-up questions, and as we talk about that, moving into follow-ups, mm -hmm. you know, how important are follow-up thank you notes? Do they need to be handwritten, emailed, text? You know, what do you guys think? What what do you prefer? I mean, definitely follow up with a thank you note of some fashion. Mm -hmm. So whether it's electronic or, or handwritten, I won't expect a handwritten note uh, anymore. Um, <laughs> but you know, a few sentences uh, shortly after your, your interview, or maybe the, the following morning, um, thanking the person for their time. Maybe one or two anecdotes from the actual uh, conversation is always a good thing to, to throw yeah, back in. Yeah, that you remember there. being there. Right. Yeah. It, it wasn't just a blur. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and again, it doesn't have to be a thesis. You know, a, a few sentences straight to the point is, is, is always a nice touch. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a touch that a lot of people will for, forget to do. So when you do it, you actually rise to the top in terms of people of you being more memorable uh, throughout the interview uh, stage. That's great. And do you have a, a recommendation on how soon after the interview you should send that thank you note? I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I think at least by, uh, by the end of the day um, mm -hmm. when you interviewed or no later than, than the following morning. Gotcha. Yep. So one of the things that I've noticed is just to, you know, don't be careless with your thank you notes. Um, make sure you keep an eye on formatting. Um, don't copy and paste the same note to the four people that you talk to. Um, it happens. Um, and then just an, another question, um, you know, sometimes I feel like towards the end of the interview, I'm so overwhelmed and I don't ask for people's um, email addresses. So what are your thoughts on sending the recruiter a note that just says, you know, hey, please pass my thanks along to these people is that do I mean does it get to those people um, you know how is that received you wanna yeah I can jump in on that I just I, I do get a lot of emails from candidates and because I already have a, a working relationship with them um, getting getting them through this process they feel comfortable to write and say hey I forgot to get the email address could you mind giving it to me so I do I share it with them um, or they'll say can you pass this note along I prefer for you to say, can I get the email address? Because I don't want to take your action item and forward it. It just shows that you're taking more initiative. So I get both of those, but I prefer when you say, "Give me, can I have the email address, please? I will say I did get a handwritten note. It's my first handwritten note that was sent to me to say thank you. 
Let's move on to, you know, you've actually got that offer in hand and you've received it, you're about to start soon. How do you best prepare for your first day or your first couple of weeks? What do you, what do you think about that? Well, I personally love to be prepared. That's my motto <laughs> in life. And I also um, like to have new team members be prepared and be successful on their first days. So um, just to give you an example, we had a, a new team member start about five months ago, and I spent some time with her on the phone prior to her starting to give her the inside scoop. And some of the things we talked about is, you know, figure out, figuring out what the dress code is so that you're comfortable on your first day, but don't stick out in the wrong way. Right. <laughs> you know, you don't want to be coming in with sneakers and jeans if yes. that's only reserved for casual Fridays. Right. Oh, it's not Friday yet? <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, if, if you are lucky to have a buddy, um, you know, a person dedicated to helping you, you know, ease into the work life in your new organization, or if you have a manager that's easily accessible, you know, ask them if you'll be sitting in an office or in a cube so that you know what kind of surroundings you'll be in. That's I, a really good point, because if you don't know if you're going to be in a hoteling environment, a cube mm -hmm. environment, or an office... Or an open space. Yeah, or an open yeah. space. That, especially for people who are coming right out of college, they don't really know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. they could think it's going to be very traditional, and then you would be so, you know, taken back. Exactly. Um, you know, so that, that will help um, you make some decisions as to whether or not to bring maybe a plant to make it more comfortable <laughs> and cozy, or pictures of your family. Are you going to have space to hang them on the wall? Or it, like you said, is it going to be an open space where your workspace is going to be limited? So how are you going to make it your own so that you're comfortable and able to roll into your tasks right away and feel, you know, yeah, like I like your that. space? Um, and then for the first day, you know, figure out if somebody is going to take you out to lunch or if your welcome lunch is going to happen later in the week. So what are you going to plan for that first day if, you know, you're only going to go out the, the day after? Right. You know, do you want to bring your own lunch or do you want to scout restaurants nearby or a deli maybe to purchase a sandwich? So these are good things to have in advance. And then um, I'm personally always cold in the office. The AC is always <laughs> blasting. So, uh, you know, figure out if you need to bring an extra sweater if you're uh, more on the chilly side like I am. Mm -hmm. So these are some of the things that um, I like to be prepared with when starting a new role. And that's nice that you share that with other people because those are, again, some of the things that people are not going to really want to ask or they're going to be afraid to ask and make it sound like they don't know anything, you know. Exactly. And you don't know what you don't know until you do know. And um, being able to share that or to feel comfortable to ask, it's okay to ask. And I think that's what we wanted to get across here is it's okay to ask some of these questions. Absolutely. And then if you um, think a little further ahead, um, once you're in your first month or second month, you know, there's some things that you want to do in order to be prepared. And the first one would be to complete any compliance training that you have to do. Get them out of the way. Yeah. Especially if your organization mandates them. You like don't want those crazy emails. You didn't do this. Yeah. You must comply. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and if your organization doesn't have an orientation checklist ready for you, think about sitting down or scheduling time with the key people from your department and your clients and understanding what their roles and goals are mm -hmm. and, um, you know, start building those lasting relationships 
with them that way. And then I would also say, put some time on the calendar to meet with your manager regularly. You know, I personally meet with my direct supervisor every other Monday, and that's something that I put on the calendar the first week that I met her. That's and awesome. it's been working great for me. Yeah. And then if you think longer term, you know, think about those meetings at the 30-day, 90-day mark to think about your goals and finalizing them so that you know you're headed in the right direction. Those are all really good tips, and I, I think that... You know, I think we do a good job of that here at ICF mm-hmm. when we're arranging the interviews and we're talking to our candidates. We have good relationships. But I, I have heard from other candidates, they say, you know, wow, you guys are so great. I was at another company. I didn't know anything that was going on. Nobody told me about the process. And I think, uh, especially for our new college graduates, because we're in that, that hiring season right now, you guys are graduating, and congratulations to all of you. <laughs> Um, but it's important to ask these questions so that you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Plus, it gives you a really good start, and you're you're prepared, and you walk in feeling like you know what's going on. Exactly. And then I will say just my final tip for somebody starting in a new organization: if you don't have a buddy, find that one person who's been here a while and who knows the ins and out, and tap them regularly if you need to know you know, who's the person to contact with facilities or if your badge is not working or something like that. And they'll also be able to make some uh, recommendations and introductions on your behalf and that will be super helpful. Yeah, I like that. You don't have to be Velcroed to them, but a a good buddy is great. So you guys, this has been so great walking through this process and I've really enjoyed doing this with all of you and all of our listeners. I'm so glad you guys have been able to join us and we've really enjoyed your emails and your phone calls telling us how much uh, you're getting out of these podcasts and, and the blog. Any final thoughts from our panel here today? Yeah, I would just say, you know, remember the interviewer is on your side. Um, They want to hire you. They're looking for someone to fill probably a really critical role on on their team. So, you know, you could be that person. And just remember that as you're going into interviews, um, as you start to get the sweats, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know that they don't want to interview forever. Managers want to fill their jobs. They have budgets and they have money, you know, that they're trying to work with and, teams that want other people to join to help spread the wealth of the project work and so it's important that we keep the process moving and yeah I think that's such a great point Emily interviewer is on your side for sure for our special guests Emily and Celine and Rochelle (laughs) this is T we're going to sign off for right now but stay tuned for future podcasts from the spark and don't forget to read our blog. I wish everybody a, uh, a, a good uh, day, and I hope that this was really uh, helpful for everyone. So have a good evening, guys. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.